You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On rooms. Today's episode, just bringing up to date on the latest chatter, because, well, it's the offseason for 28 teams, and of course, you're always going to get some rumors here and there. The latest buzz on Colin Sexton, building off of my most recent episode, where I talked about the pros and cons, and... Well, we're starting to get a little bit more clarification on what might be offered in exchange for a player like Sexton, but there's some growing concern about Kyle Lowry and his interest in Philadelphia. But I'll start off with a report from Sham Sharania over at The Athletic, specifically about Hawks forward slash center John Collins, uh, basically indicating that Dallas, Miami, San Antonio and Minnesota are among the teams expected to show interest in Collins, uh, believing he could be attainable as a restricted free agent, according to Sharanya. That is a direct quote. And I've talked about Collins before. Probably don't have all the nuance to really get into it because I think, well, again, all these conversations are so difficult to really have. And I'll be the first to tell you, I, I wish I could watch... 30 teams play 82 times a year and have an exact understanding of what player value is and whether or not this player can contribute in such a way and whether or not he could fit in. We're all just clutching at straws here. That's a, that's basically it. But I've seen enough Collins, I guess, to offer my opinion. And I, I think Collins is a fine player. I Look, I know there are concerns about him. One, as a playmaker. Two, as a defender. Both things that Miami needs – and relies on in their current iteration of the offense. So I think that's a problem. I know Collins is also, again, a restricted free agent. So he's going to cost a lot of money. And that's a big problem for Miami because while they may have some salary cap space, I'm not sure that they want to offer all of that cap space to a restricted free agent, especially when, well, let's say they might wind up matching that offer. I personally don't think Atlanta is going to match the offer. I think if Collins gets a high enough deal, even though they made the run they did, I think Atlanta is more likely to just move on and say, well, thank you for your performance. Thank you for your service here in Atlanta. We're going to continue to do what we do, given the fact that they have other players that are young, eligible for more playing time, will probably be healthy next season and will be able to contribute. Look, Collins's production took a dip last year. I think everybody sees the numbers he put up to the season before, 2019-20. Through 41 games prior to the Orlando bubble, he was shooting 58% from the field and he averaged 20, almost 22 points per game. So I think that's what everybody looks at when they say, oh, damn, this is a guy who can shoot the ball 40% from three on almost four attempts per game. 22 points per game, obviously, a, a pretty productive, gaudy number there. This was also a team that wasn't in playoff contention. They didn't win a lot of games. It was a shortened season. Who knows whether or not his production would have plummeted at some point later on in the season if they had managed to play the full 82 complement there. So hard to see exactly whether or not that kind of production would have been sustained. But then on this year's roster with Danilo Gallinari and uh, Bojan Bogdanovic and other players there that 
we're cutting into some of that production. We're getting more opportunities, more playing time, even as Trey Young continued to produce more and be more of a scoring threat than he had been even before that. I think Collins' numbers took in a little bit of a dip. Again, 17.6 points per game on 55% shooting from the floor, 40% shooting from three on just slightly less attempts per game, slightly less minutes per game. So he might have been shooting more from the perimeter in total, and that's good. It's fine. I think I think we've seen the book on Collins. He's a good shooter, capable scorer. I'm not sure how reliant he is. Is he a better option on anybody's uh, on on anyone that's currently on Miami's roster or that Miami's likely to acquire? Yes, that's without a doubt. I like all the possibilities there. I like even from a narrative perspective, a guy who grew up in South Florida and really liked this team and and really followed it growing up and was there the year he was drafted and and you know was there for Miami and they wound up taking that Babbitt Bio kid. A pretty decent move there. So I just I see how it could be a good fit for Miami. I just, I'm having a hard time seeing whether or not Collins is going to take the kind of leap there. And you're paying him to be your third star there. Basically, you've, you're not going to be able to re-sign Duncan Robinson. You're going to bring back Goran Dragic, hopefully at a discounted rate. Uh, You're not going to bring back Kendrick Nunn because he's probably going to be priced out of whatever you can pay him. If you're going to offer... Collins the kind of deal that isn't going to be matched by Atlanta or can't be offered somewhere else. I mean, look, he can take multiple offers. This is his opportunity to get the bag. If let's say Miami offers him, you know, fifteen million dollars per deal, because why not? It's it's Florida. You you get more of what you uh, want from your contract. You know, no state sales tax and or income tax, excuse me. Uh, but perhaps. Dallas offers more. Again, Dallas and San Antonio, two teams in Texas where they also don't have that state income tax, and maybe they can offer just slightly more, 17, 18 million. Does Collins say, no, I'd rather take 3 million less per year knowing it can stay in Miami as opposed to, you know, or maybe he wants the opportunity to go up against the Hawks. That's also something to consider. Players' motivations are very, very difficult to glean until they go through the process. I, I think it's really interesting to hear veterans like J.J. Reddick talk about this, and I can only use, you know, now that the season's basically over and hearing what players go through and having talked to them throughout the years, but having Reddick explain it on his Old Man in the Three podcast, which you probably should have heard, but not at the cost of not listening to this podcast, of course. But you listen to Reddick talk about, uh, you know, what, what goes through his mind when he's doing this. And to me, it's just so interesting hearing him say, you know, Something to to verbalize something that we all kind of put into some perspective here. He says, you know, I, I got so attached to a number. And he says a lot of people go through that same process too. That you, you think to yourself, this is the number. And then all of a sudden that number doesn't come. Or maybe it does. But it comes from the wrong team or anything like that. Or you, you start thinking, you know, this team is going to offer this much money. And then they wind up offering significantly less. But some other team offers it. And then you kind of have to change your perspective you have a, a paradigm shift and for a guy like reddick early in his career he was thinking he was going to get paid and that offer didn't come from um the orlando magic they got it from somewhere else and the magic wound up offering when he entered free restricted free agency basically in context of a conversation he was having with duncan robinson who's going to be going through the same thing this summer and now given collins and the fact that he is you know 20 something years old on a playoff team that made a deep run in the playoffs 
He has opportunities there. Can he go be a quote-unquote savior in San Antonio? Can he be a complimentary player to Luka Doncic? What is his motivation? Does he want to be the star? Does he want to get paid? Look, it's up to him. I mean, I can't. I don't ever want to be the guy to say, take less money, but maybe he will take less money. I, I don't know what his motivation is. Again, maybe he is, just like JJ said, attached to a number. And we don't know what that number is. Maybe he's guaranteeing, maybe in his head, he wants 20 something million at least. He turned down an extension for that amount just last season. A lot of people shook their heads and said, what, what are you doing? You might not get that kind of offer again. And so he kind of bet on himself, and I don't know that it's necessarily going to pay off. We have to wait and see. And so if he's attached to this number, maybe he'll get it. Maybe he won't. Maybe that changes the way he approaches free agency. Maybe to him he'll say the number doesn't really matter as much. And now uh, from what makes me more comfortable, what gives me the best opportunity to prove myself as a player, maybe it's playing for Nate McMillan in Atlanta. Maybe the, the tension between him and Trey Young was blown out of proportion. Maybe he wants to be able to continue building something in Atlanta, even though a Hawks owner, I think one of the Hawks owners, mentioned that it seems unlikely that they'll be able to keep the core of this team together for much longer. That's a realistic, uh, I think, take on this team, given that they do have a lot of young players that are due for or eligible for extensions in the next couple of years. And so for Collins... Is there any motivation to come to Miami? I, I think that's the biggest question then. I, I like the fit alongside Bam. I think there's a friendship there, a camaraderie, and understanding. They were guys that came into the same draft class. They can fit the same timetable together. I mean, he had a similar timetable time in Atlanta. Maybe he just wants to change his scenery. But again, the numbers, the money makes it much more difficult to see what happens next. And I, I wonder also how much... Miami is viewed as a destination uh, franchise at this point. Can they continue to lure those big names? Are they still viewed more than anybody else or just as much as anybody else as a potential contender? I don't know if that's the case. And so for a guy like Collins, I see his name being attached to Miami. It's been there before. You know, Sharania reporting that the Heat are among a few teams there that are interested. Well, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I just I see it as very, very unlikely that Miami can pull it off successfully. Moreover, whether or not it's going to take them into contention status. And that's what's necessary here for this team. They, they have to make – there's more pressure on this front office than anything else to swing for the fences and have a home run offseason. And I don't know if that's realistic given what you have. I mean, Pat Riley's optimistic comments after a finals run last season, one thing – to look at what Miami actually has in terms of trade assets and things of that sort, probably not as overflowing as Riley estimated last year. So it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, that's all I can tell you, to be honest with you. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. My feeling is that because of the pressure on Miami, they have to do something. And I don't know what that can be. I really don't. I, I mean, I could sit there and tell you they're going to go for Lonzo Ball or Kevin Love or Colin Sexton or you know half of the NBA. But that's unrealistic, too. You can't trade your dimes for an exchange for a dollar. Like, that just isn't the reality. I don't know that 28, 29 other teams are looking at a precious Achua, despite his strong run in the Olympic exhibition games thus far, and say, huh, that's a building block for the future. Other than that, who are you trading? Who has value on this roster as a trade asset? 
And so the conversation kind of digs into, well, what options are available for Miami? Even when they made that huge trade in 2005, which is the point I've always brought when it comes to sweeping changes, to me, 2005 was as close as it gets. You look at all the players you have in the roster, you're willing to blow it up anyway because you have two untouchable players, Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade. Everybody else, you kind of just trade out there to see what you can get in exchange and hope for the best. And it paid off, obviously, so. We'll see what happens. That's, that's I think, where Miami has to be because given Atlanta and the possibility that there'll be, be a dangerous team for years to come, I think their future is absolutely bright. I don't think anybody can deny that. I think given how Brooklyn is built and the fact that they have a, a great, talented roster, even as older as those players are, they'll still be the heavy favorites to win the title. And you look at Milwaukee and the fact that, well, they, they might be the NBA champion when it's all said and done this season – I mean, there are a lot of good teams that are continuing to strengthen the Eastern Conference. As much as we all want to look at the West and say, oh, they're deeper, they're better, et cetera, the balance always reestablishes itself. And I think it's going to in the Eastern Conference where you're going to have a lot more depth of great, good teams. And Miami has to decide whether or not they see themselves as a team that wants to continue to compete over the next three seasons of Jimmy Butler's contract. So it's going to be a, a great offseason. But one thing I did want to tell you is that if you want to talk about any of the things going on with this offseason, well, just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Green Room, the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. It's a perfect place to start or join conversations about the league, the offseason, and everything else that's going on. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to the big news or rumors going around. You can even find locked-on hosts such as myself across the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL. Go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to see you all there. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the finals still continues. And our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. What are you, what are you watching in the NBA Finals? What is it that you want? Other than just the fact that it's you know actual NBA basketball being played at an incredibly high level. Are you rooting for the Suns? Are you hoping the Bucks find a way to triumph so maybe Miami's loss to them in the earlier in the playoffs isn't as egregious? I don't know. Uh, to me, I'm probably just looking at players stepping up, finding ways to contribute. I like seeing Jay's Jay Crowder, that is, his career narrative kind of coming to a, 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 I don't know if a close is the right term here, but just ascending at just the right time to being the perfect complementary you know, locker room role player kind of guy. He fits so well with multiple teams and, and has for a long time. I, I feel like I've been on this Crowder bandwagon Ever since he was back in Boston years ago, I, I mean, I did a, a feature on him, ooh, I don't know, 2015, 16. It feels like it's been a long time. And, you know, I, I saw Crowder and the fact that he had this low-value contract and just said, this is a guy who really loves the work ethic and everything else. He'd be a great fit in Miami. And sure enough, that played out the way I expected it to. And now it's playing out that way in Phoenix, too. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you people are looking for in the NBA Finals. Anyway, 
the latest buzz on Colin Sexton, Shams Charania also reporting that uh, the Knicks are the most aggressive trade suitor for Cavaliers guard Colin Sexton. So obviously there's a few teams out there that are interested. Miami still continues to be one of them. Indiana also apparently one of them. I think, you know, the Knicks thing makes a lot of sense. One, they don't really have the point guard. You get a young player that fits that same, uh, you know, that fits that same time frame that we keep talking about. You know, obviously Julius Randle, a little bit older, your star, but he's a guy who's going to take you to that next level. You've got R.J. Barrett, very young. You've got Sexton, very young. That makes a lot of sense. You could build a nice trio there, although Sexton as a point guard, I wonder whether or not he'll have the, the full Tom Thibodeau support because I think Thibodeau uh, has been a little hard on his point guards as late. And with Derrick Rose on there, you don't want to rely on Rose as your best point guard option moving forward, but that's certainly a guy who's earned Thibodeau's trust over time. But I've also just, you know, again, in, in looking at possible trade scenarios, I saw a the the, the, the Fear the Sword, which is the SB Nation Cavaliers site, uh, mentioned that Tyler Hero and Precious Achua are a lot better of a trade package than whatever the Knicks have to offer. The Knicks similarly don't have a lot of assets. And while I don't think Miami's package or whatever their potential package could be in exchange for a player like Sexton, makes a lot of sense. It's also probably the best option out there. And if you're actually looking to trade Sexton because you just you can't afford to pay him, you don't want to pay him, you're going to replace him in the draft, and as a, a franchise, the Cavaliers just say, no, we're done, then you make it happen and you try to get what you can, then yes, here in Achua makes a lot of sense. But I keep questioning whether or not that's the right kind of deal for Miami. That seems like it's taking a hit, a severe hit, in your youth, your depth, uh, maybe not that long ago, I would have, I, I probably wouldn't have questioned it all that much. But I think that there's still potential there for guys like Hero and Achua. And you, maybe we just get too stuck on it. You know, it, it's it really is a very difficult place to be in because I think you're all looking for change. And by you all, I mean all of us, I, myself included. I just don't know what's going to happen next, right? But it's exciting. You know, you're, you're looking ahead to the next couple of weeks with a draft and free agency and everything else and, and this this hope that your team is going to make big changes because, well, historically they have been a team that makes big changes. And maybe it's Sexton. Maybe it's Kevin Love. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe it's somebody else that we haven't even considered. A very, very realistic chance given the fact that Miami is rarely, you know, very public about what they're pursuing or who they're pursuing. They always kind of come from left field. You know, never, never forget 2003, the quote unquote pursuit of Elton brand for the Los Angeles Clippers. What did it yield them? Lamar Odom. And I think that was the goal all along. While everybody else is playing checkers, Pat Riley in the front office, always playing three dimensional chess or something like that. I, I don't know. It's just always a few moves ahead, always looking to see what can be done. I think their success, their track record speaks for itself. So Sexton, you know, I, I think still a fine player. And I've gotten some blowback from my previous podcast about my assessment of Sexton that some of the old narratives might still be sticking to him, that he's not necessarily as bad a player as some of his statistical output makes him seem. I think there's still growing concern at the scouting report, even from Cleveland folks, is that maybe he's not a great defender, maybe he's not a great and willing playmaker. The scoring certainly is a positive for him. And while I have an issue with the context, because again, a player on a bad team without a lot of chances of making the playoffs and not really 
playing for anything in particular, is of course going to give their high draft pick the opportunity to score and score at will. And he's been a starter for most of his career, for almost all of it, really. Given all of these things, of course his scoring up, it's going to be greater, much greater than even a player like Tyler Hero. But the context matters. But I've had some people tell me, look, Sexton can get to the rim. He can finish at a high level. He's younger. He's more athletic. He's this and that. He's slightly older than Hero, obviously. But I think given his experience, the fact that he is perhaps a much more NBA-ready body than Hero is, even though I think Hero does look like he's continued to put on muscle mass and is continuing his work during the offseason by training with noted NBA skills trainer Drew Hanlon, a guy who works with Kelly Oubre, as well as Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid, a few others. I think Drew... Drew's a guy I've talked to. He's worked with a lot of people. He's just like he's just a guy who is you're gonna hit up on all these trainers at some point or another. You're gonna you're gonna as you work your way through the NBA, you just attach yourself to a couple guys. And from the people I've talked to, this is how it works. You just you you call them up, you say, Oh, I'd like to fit you in. If you're training a couple guys, can I work with you? And they have to assess whether or not they want to work with you. And more often than not, of course they will. But they'll, you know, they'll have feelers around the community about whether or not this player does the work and is willing to do the work. And, you know, they want to get paid, too. So they negotiate what rates are, uh, you know, comparable to everybody else's. Maybe a guy like Hanley probably getting paid a little bit more than others. But I think that's pretty standard. You you have several skills trainers that you're working with. It's not a knock on anybody locally. It's not a knock on anybody around the rest of the country. You're probably going to work with all these guys at some point. And, and I think this is fair. You, you, you probably target specialists that will help you get to that next level. And in a guy like Hanlon, as much as you could say, well, he's a guy who builds those skills so that you can continue to be a good scorer, certainly what's worked out with Tatum, you look at a guy like Ubre, and that hasn't been the case. So it's all about the client. I think uh, a player like Hero is already far enough along where he's just he just wants to add to his bag of tricks. And maybe one trainer has something that somebody else doesn't and can help him expand his repertoire. So hats off to him. But you know, this is kind of the perfect exclamation point or something. Uh, you know, what some form of punctuation on the whole conversation between Sexton and everybody else is that while Sexton is, and I agree, a fine player who probably was targeted by defenses a lot more than I am giving him credit for and was still able to find a way to be productive throughout all of what was a bad uh, season that was cut short by injury, I still think that Hero has some upside that we're all kind of ignoring. A guy who has been committed to the work for even before he entered the University of Kentucky, a guy that showed a lot of promise, that has done everything that this team has asked of him and has contributed in a pretty high level for two seasons is still young and can still grow as part of this team. I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know if we're just giving up on Hero too easily as a fan base here and whether or not there's probably more hope here. And I, I'm right there with you, believe me. I've been frustrated by some of the things that Hero does. I know it's easy to get caught up in seeing him do all the off-the-court crap and wonder whether or not he's as focused as we'd like him to be. I get all that. But the truth is that he's still always brought it on the floor. He's made his mistakes there too. But, I mean, again, we didn't watch Sexton for all of his 61 games last year. We probably would have seen a lot of shitty performances from him. And maybe we'd be like, no, thanks. I'm not interested in bringing that player onto this roster. So, very hard to exactly get a very nuanced perspective here. But uh, I can tell you that Hero is continuing to do the work. And those talks will probably intensify over the next couple of weeks. So we just all have to wait. There's no way around it. But one thing you don't have to wait for 
is the great taste of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there. And for a limited time only, you can get the Built Grasshopper Cookie that's comparable to the classic Thin Mint Cookie from the Girl Scouts that everybody loves. Well, everybody, uh, not me, but my wife. I, I've told you millions of times. The chocolate mint combination, one of her favorites. I know my former co-host Wes Goldberg was also a fan, but then again, he doesn't like cookie dough. He doesn't like crinkle fries either, so who can trust him? I'm only mentioning these things because it's National French Fry Day, and I think crinkle fries should get their due. They are delicious. In any case, also delicious, the Built Grasshopper Cookie and all the rest of Built Bar's delicious flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, so you don't even know that you are eating a protein bar, but you are because you get everything you need. So go to BuiltBar.com. And use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your next order if you use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only if you go visit BuiltBar.com. And with the money you save, why don't you feel a little uh, saucy and go play yourself, place yourself a little wager over at BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet in all your sports action. If you want to place a wager on the rest of the NBA Finals or the WNBA All-Star Game or any of the action taking place around the sports landscape, then BetOnline is one for you. You get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs. Major League Baseball, WNBA, NBA, NHL, so much more. Go over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great information they have on their site. Don't sit on your sidelines anymore. This is your chance. Get in on the action as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs or finals. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget, use that promo code LOCKEDON. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey. It's featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrine and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcast, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. Ah, the draft. What an idea. A lot of buzz building up around it and uh, you know, so much to consider over the next few weeks. And I know everybody is champing at the bit. A pet peeve of mine, it is champing at the bit, not chomping at the bit. I know that's just the way it's become socially acceptable to use that particular phrase but everybody or mostly everybody is using it incorrectly so sorry for the grammatical lesson as a writer that is something that has always stuck out to me when people say oh i'm chomping at the bit no you're not you're champing at the bit the champ is the little thing that they put in the well anyway whatever you can look it up online plenty of options for you to do so uh, and uh, always interested maybe i've used some words incorrectly over the course of my podcasting career Feel free to call it out. If I've got something that I've made a mistake on grammatically, well, hell, I deserve the criticism. So make sure you always reach out using the hashtag AskLOHeat, or you can always email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. This is just a, a little conversation about Kyle Lowry because I, look, I'm not reporting anything and I haven't heard anything in particular, but I am starting to get more of a feeling 
that Lowry to Miami isn't as likely as we'd all like it to be. I think Lowry answers so many of the questions that Miami has, I mean, just they need in order to become that contending team, a veteran, a proven commodity, a valuable contributor, a defender, a playmaker, a scorer, guy who fits alongside Jimmy Butler who can handle what Jimmy brings. You need those guys. I just – if there's going to be an argument as to why you can't bring in a guy like Sexton as your third player or a guy like Collins as your third player, it's that are we convinced that John Collins is going to get Jimmy Butler all up in his face and be like, oh, okay, I can handle this. I like this sort of thing. Is he the, is he the dog – that this team needs. We know that Lowry is. He's going to give it as good as he takes it. I think he's going to absolutely be able to respond to Jimmy's pressure and and everything else. So, again, I maintain that I think Lowry is the perfect addition for this team, along with, you know, some building around the edges. But I, I just am having a hard time seeing why he would pursue a trip to Miami. Again, it has to be about playing alongside Jimmy. That's it. That's it. That's really the only thing. Like, I, I think he's probably less interested in quote unquote pursuing a title because honestly, I, I think even, even given the status around Philadelphia's roster and the fact that many teams are interested in trading for Ben Simmons, I think the Sixers are still probably much more further along. They're closer to the team that's capable of advancing past the Eastern Conference Finals and, and going to potentially challenge for a championship. So given all that, if you're looking at a title and what team is most likely to bring you a title, it's probably not Miami. Philadelphia does have to maneuver their cap somewhat. A trade with Simmons would have to be completed in order to accommodate a guy like Lowry. It would, might even involve a sign-in trade to Toronto in exchange for Lowry. So that would be an interesting uh, way of just navigating the situation there somewhat. Uh, and look, Daryl Morey, a guy who's pulled off big trades in the past, we know he can certainly do it. guy probably who does not get enough credit for the work he did in Houston. And I, I think the work he did last season in his one year with Philadelphia that made him a, a pretty good team, even if they weren't able to advance. I, I Look, I know everybody's kind of rolling their eyes now because they hate the Sixers. You all hate the Sixers, and I get it. I, I'm not a big fan myself, but at the same time, I think it's also, you know, you can you can tip your hat where it's due. And I think the front office made some positive changes. They had some injury issues. Simmons sucks. He's an overrated you know, player. And I think he wound up choking in and, and, and crucial situations there. But given all that, I, I also think that uh, I, I think the Sixers front office can make the right deal to make their team even better. And maybe if that's the case, that is more appealing to Lowry, who would likely return home to Philadelphia and get a chance to you know, build the rest of his career arc at home and to be able to bring the Sixers a title, to all do, do all the things that, uh, as far as a narrative perspective would include, I think it would be a great option for him and get paid in the, in the process. So given that, I just, I just think Philadelphia seems like the more appeasing option. But you know, maybe he wants to come to Miami. And if he does, it's only because he just really – really loves Jimmy Butler and wants to play alongside him and wants to be a part of this franchise moving forward. And look, given what I mentioned about J.J. earlier and that statement, keep that in mind. Don't get hung up on a number, the obsession with a number. I think we can all tend to do that as as fans, media, whatever you want to call it. You know, even even a reporter like Charania or, or, or Wojnarowski – focuses on those numbers. Oh, this team can offer X. They have that kind of salary space. They can do this. 
there's a lot of people, friends of mine, that are great at navigating the salary cap, that you have to be. And yet, when it all comes down to it, a player has absolutely the right to just say, I could make $25 million per year, but I'll be okay making five. It's really all not that important. I, I mean, I'd love to get an extra $20 million a year from what I'm making right now. $20 million plus nothing is still pretty damn good. But still... You know, for a player who's made a hundred plus million dollars over the course of his career, maybe the money isn't as important. So while we can all project what we'd do if we were being offered X tens of millions of dollars, the reality is that we don't know what these players want until they actually make that decision. And it might be to come to Miami, but it doesn't feel like that's the case, at least not to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd like to be, because believe me, I think that Miami with Kyle Lowry if not a, necessarily a lock for a title, would certainly be further along than they currently are and I think would be a strong challenger to the Brooklyn's, Milwaukee's, and other teams that are growing in strength in the Eastern Conference. Just a reminder, as always, reach out to me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, via Twitter, using the hashtag AskAllHeat. And always, please follow the show and leave a review. A lot of you have been doing that lately, and I really do appreciate a lot of those great reviews that you leave, so continue to do so, please. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show, but nobody's support is more important than yours. Thanks so much to all of you. This is David Ramil signing off for now.